You are listening to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. We shine a light on the topics that matter to digital and data leaders in the NHS. I'm Ellie Fox and I help connect digital leaders in the NHS with interim talent and today I am your host. The views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official position or policy of their organisation. So if you could just introduce Introduce yourself for us, please, Sam. Yeah, I'm Sam Neville. I'm a Chief Nurse and Informatics Officer at Mid and South Essex Foundation Trust. Um, been in nursing 30 odd years this year, so a long time. My background is surgical nursing more than anything, which I love. And I came into the role more by fluke than anything, which I think most of us did. I was implementing mm-hmm. an e-observation project at the site as a clinical lead and loved digital so much and could see the benefits that we can pull out of it with the data and everything so managed to stay in digital and still here Perfect. now amazing thank you very much and then louise um if you could introduce yourself please hi nice to see everybody i'm uh, louise hicks i'm the cnio and director of development at barts health and um I'm also a visiting professor at City University of london and i've been lucky enough to have a clinical and academic career and this week is 40 years since I started as a nurse. And so it feels like um, quite a long time, but it's gone so quickly and I'm still enjoying nursing and being as part of the NHS as much as I did when I joined a few years ago. <laughs> Obviously, I was very young when I started. Um, my role really has uh, come through a love and a passion really for inclusion and people. So it didn't come from a technology perspective. It comes from uh, the fact that actually with people, you can create outstanding solutions. And we've got a really fabulous WeConnect team. It consists of medics, nurses, AHPs, midwives, IT clinical systems, and a whole range of people coming together uh, to make a difference and it's uh, the digital solution is part of that but the impact on communities and our patients is where the passion uh, really lies and I had a background as an ED nurse and trauma I've worked all over the world in different places which has been really fabulous and I'll probably share that some other time and um, it's been great to also uh, develop uh, skills in OD, teaching, education, research and and so forth and all of these things come together through the digital space so it's really fantastic. Thanks very much Louise and Devesh if we could go over to you. Yeah welcome all I think my name is Devesh Sinha I'm a stroke physician uh, in my day job uh, and I think chief clinical information officer for BHRUT. Uh, also I look uh, look after the leadership role in ICS which is a stroke for whole northeast London. Uh, the way I work is I'm a clinician first and informatics second very similar what Louis said the patient is the patient and making life better for patient. How I landed into informatics uh, I had that kind of creativity kind of bug, you know, uh, to create new things, write on the software and language. Created something in early part of my career for stroke, I had national awards, and then continued that pursuit. So for example, uh, with early work on AI, where a scan can read for itself, and we published that roughly five years back, and now it's become known. And then come to the leadership. Uh, the whole idea now for me is to how to integrate that leadership into digital so that we can do 
what is required for a clinician and non-clinician alike in NHS to make sure patient life is good. So that's my journey, very short. Thank you very much. Um, okay, Fab, let's get started with the questions. Um, so Sam, seeing as you went first, we'll come to you first for your question. So you asked, is the nursing slash midwifery workforce ready for future developments within the tech space? Do you want to just give us a bit of context to that? Yeah, so something you've just mentioned, Devesh, actually, about the AI and stroke, it's it's part of that. So I'm working with the Phillips Ives Review at the moment on the panel for AI research and genomics. So I thought I'd use this as an excuse to get some more information. Mm -hmm. um, so with speaking to some reference groups that we've set up some working groups a lot of nurses every time you mention AI they want to hide they want to run away because they don't know what it means but they don't understand the background i.e the algorithms so we've all used new scoring escalation scores for observations there's an algorithm behind that once you explain that to nurses and and some midwives they're like oh yeah so it's just are we using the right language it should be probably the better question to encourage the staff to come aboard with us. So, for example, your stroke um, AI, Devesh, it'd be interesting to know if all the stroke nurses were aware of it and managed it as well, rather than just the doctors. That's the sort of context I'm looking at. Thanks, yeah. Sam. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Devesh. Yes, yeah, so I think, yes, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> very good questions, Sam. I think, and that's, that's one of the things. So, first thing I started in BHR to have that kind of joint leadership model on clinical care. Uh, because the stroke is pretty much done by and delivered by nurses and AHP. Doctor has very small involvement actually in the early part. So I think in any digital thing, we created a first post for co-clinical lead. Uh, is that sharing that kind of a passion for clinical care leadership as, as well as digital. Uh, so in BHR, I think we have that kind of access to all the nurses, all the critical care uh, kind of uh, nurses which take the first part of the uh, care into AI and it's quite actually nice because you are absolutely on how the language has been translated to them when they, they simply when they see the simplicity of it there's adoption in front of your eyes but when they don't see it I think mm. then we have the problem so you are spot on yeah I think um, I really liked that expression of the, the language really and I was thinking about what really um, helps people in our context is the language of care. So if it really does make a difference for the patient, the families, the community or the caring environment, then people can really get behind it, can't they? They really engage with it. And if the things that we're doing are making such a difference to uh, data and information, making it easy for people to engage. And like you say, uh, Sam, that opportunity to really build on things that have been tried and tested and people know are useful. So uh, the idea of using an algorithm, if you describe it as an algorithm, won't exactly be uh, necessarily the most popular description. Yeah. But if it's something where actually this is helping us to reduce the amount of time it takes us to detect a deteriorating patient, to be able to have automated referrals, to get the right care for the patient as soon as possible, uh, then actually that may, means a lot for our, our staff. And so I think it, it's often in the language definitely that we use. And if we come at it from a technological perspective, uh, then ov obviously that can sometimes be quite off-putting. 
if you look at it in terms of co-designing solutions that make a real difference, that enable practitioners to come together uh, with you to say, actually, what we really need is something that speeds this up. What we really need is something where we've got something in that machine that enables us to learn, that gives us the information straight away. And, um, and actually, I've been thinking about this in the context of human physiology as well. You know, uh, clinicians really understand human physiology. And if we think about artificial intelligence, it's all based on nodes and neural systems and things yeah. like that. So actually, we can understand the physiology of what we're trying to do digitally. That might also um, help us. Uh, so I think that there's a, a lot we can do to demystify it and enable people to share in developing the solutions. And, uh, and and then that could make a massive difference. Yeah, I like that language of care. I think I'm going to coin that phrase um, to help. We, we are developing personas which will hopefully bring out that language of care and make it demystified, like you say, and put it into what people understand. So the patient at the heart of it all. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I was thinking also about you, what you asked in the question earlier, which was around whether um, people are really uh, prepared for the tech space mm. and and the new things around artificial intelligence, but also things like genomics, such a, a lot of work being done nationally that, that you're part of, which is so fantastic. And that, it made me think about what are our current standards and proficiencies in nursing and what are the things we expect of somebody as they qualify mm. and, and what's the expectation? What, how will they learn this during their um, undergraduate training to be a registered nurse or to, to qualify as a, a medic, etc. And um, how do we make sure we've got really great practice uh, within our universities or colleges? And it, there's such an opportunity for us to be able to do that and such great technology. And I know that some of the universities are doing some really fabulous work and uh, it's really helpful and it it brings the space of learning uh, into the hospital and vice versa but also the space of care which might not be the hospital it might be in the community it might be a virtual space so how do we use that and, and think that that through uh, but I was thinking also about the genomics piece and what some of this really means to personalized care and some of the skills that we need to retain around communication, mm -hmm. excellence, the ability to um, report and relay information, to really form strong relationships with people, uh, to be able to then just choose the digital piece as a component of the whole of the care. Mm -hmm. So it, it's enabling us to do so much more, isn't it? And, and it makes you wonder, Where's this going to go? Where, where's the future? What, what's the uh, what, what, what's the opportunity in all of this? I yeah. wonder what it is for, from a medical perspective as well, uh, Devesh, and, and your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think it's, I, I've always been interested in people part, you know, and there's a three P I describe is a people process and, and, and product and product come last. I was very interested, Sam, when you mentioned persona work, because actually it encompasses quite a lot what we uh, we talk about. So I think the people part is always most uh, tricky and most entertaining uh, because that's the most unpredictable part of uh, any digital transformation, isn't it? I think the most certain part, of course, you have that kind of product, which is last part of the whole uh, puzzle. Uh, I think 
somewhere in between is the process, Luis, and I'm glad you mentioned that part is actually that your process as a nurse remains same, whether you are a digital nurse or whether you're non-digital nurse, and how can we incorporate that your core belief of running the things as a system as a nurse, uh, and then actually harness that with the flavor with the digital. Uh, and that's what uh, that's how I see it in the medical world. You you have those kind of medical core skills and how you supplement those medical core skills with the digital because digital alone is is nothing. It's, there's no value in that digital alone. Uh, I think uh, value comes in when you supplement that with the over top your core skills. So I, I kind of agree with you. And Sam, actually, I would like to hear about persona part. Yeah, thank you. That's really interesting because um, something you said, Louise, rung true, trying to tell, well, trying to reassure nursing and midwives that their roles are still going to be there. We are not going to be overtaken by robots, is what, what they keep saying to me. But the caring aspect is still going to be there. The communication aspect is still going to be there. And it's probably going to become more prevalent. Like you're saying, we've... Um, looking at results and translating things for patients and and for other staff I think it's definitely going to be a, a different type of role but still a nursing role if that makes sense and yeah, I would be happy to share Devesh <laughs> once we've written them yeah. it Thank totally you. makes sense and uh, wouldn't it be fabulous to get to a point where uh, we're not describing e-nursing or mm. digital nursing yeah. but we're actually it's just part and parcel of our of our role and and that's something uh, that we've felt quite strongly about um, as we've been developing at, at Bart's Health, our um, informatics and uh, clinical developments. And I think uh, something that we feel very passionate about is making sure that the computer and the technology doesn't get in the way, mm. but actually is something that's really supportive and, and helps. And, uh, and one of the things that was really lovely uh, a few weeks ago is a, uh, one of the patients, an elderly lady who, was talking about the computer that they bought to the bedside on a table on wheels, she described it. And the fact that actually she felt so secure because that was there and people were sat with her going through what was in there. And uh, and that the computer itself was helping her to feel that people had recorded information about her that was so important. So that there's a, such a benefit in, in hearing that feedback from the people that are using our services but also the fact that we're removing the fear of the, the the digital component and it's just part and parcel of our everyday work. And it would be uh, so fabulous if um, uh, we've got to the point where the data and information piece also becomes just part and parcel of an easy approach to everyday. So if we are using things like machine learning or artificial intelligence and a whole range of things, it's just part and parcel of what we need for our patients. And I was thinking about the robotics elements and where we've started to use it. And people are quite happy to accept that in areas such as pharmacy, you know, where we're, we're using that for particular dispensing and revolutionising some of our work there. But also we've been using uh, all sorts of things over the years that really do assist us to enable to care, uh, care with the patient. And um, so it's only an extension of some of that, isn't it? And I was thinking about if I ever needed um, care um, when I'm a few years older, hopefully, uh, or hopefully not, um, what, what would I want if I wanted to maintain my own independence 
would I would I actually like to have a robot providing um, personalised care and things like that? Well, actually, I probably wouldn't mind so much because it might enable me to continue a quality of life that I may not have otherwise had. So I do think there's some th elements of this that we could start to look at through slightly different eyes. So lots, lots to be done in that uh, tech space, Sam. A really great question. Thanks very much, Louise. Um, so if we move on to your question now, you asked, how do you see integrated care systems developing opportunity for digital health talent? Yeah, I think I think it's really interesting to look at um, the formation at the moment of integrated care systems, and it's going to revolutionise a, a lot of the opportunity that we have to, to come together and to uh, see uh, new approaches a uh, new opportunity to engage and that responsibility for planning services and also thinking about health inequalities. And it really made me think about how do we maximise and optimise that opportunity across our systems? And what would it mean for us in terms of the development of digital talent? We sometimes talk about uh, digital exclusion. It would be great to talk about digital inclusion. Uh, but how do we use the ICSs to really develop that digital talent? Thanks, Louise. Um, Devash, if we go straight over to you. Yeah, I think that's so topical, Louise. And I think I had, I'm fortunate that I interact with Louise on a very, very regular basis uh, because of overworking. And, and such a good question because uh, it's a language uh, changing from doesn't want to be part of IT or excluded to actually uh, IT excite me or digital excite me and I want to be part of this and I can contribute into this. And that whole journey uh, can be enabled, Luis, uh, I think, as you know, there's a good practices uh, within the bars and within the sector and within, um, I'm sure, similar sectors that actually we can harness that, exemplify that, glorify that, and, and say this is where we want to be in terms of creating those talent. Uh, and I'm sure I'm not preaching you, but I think you already have created those talent in your nursing workforce, which is, actually am moving towards almost like a national recognition. Uh, and, and the learning there for me is uh, to how you harness them, uh, take away the anxiety away from them, that being a clinical informatics also always mean clinician. And uh, that's the number one anxiety and most people do have that, and especially talent get, uh, you know, uh, go in a corner and sulk that, no, I don't want to do it. It excites me, but I don't want to do it. And the second thing is give them a structure and that structure with ICS is the possibility which was not there before because now you can create a, a group of people who actually think similar and create those kind of a structure and, and bring those kind of talent in, in one place. What I found very fascinating from clinical side is there's not much out there for the talent to flourish uh, in terms of path guidance. So. I have a very interesting junior nurse come to me and say, look, we can do this thing very differently. I've got this innovative idea. How should I progress? And, and there's, a, there's a drop of silence there complete. You know, oh, well, I can tell you this. I can guide you here. I can do it there. I wish those things can be structured so that talent actually felt like, okay, if I want to do it, I can progress through that. Here's the innovation challenge. Here's the innovation authority. Here's, you know, X, Y, Z through the ICS. So ICS has more responsibility now to actually create that uh, talent and workforce and ha harness them in a very structured manner. 
uh, but that's my view and I think that's my very personal view, but I think you, you've done it Luis, and I think uh, probably it need to be acknowledged that you've done it without any uh, kind of support which was there for years. Thanks, Devesh. Sorry, Louise. Did you want to? Thanks, Devesh. I was just going to say, um, yeah, there, there's been such a lot of development, hasn't there, over the years, and it's so great to now to be able to connect, uh, which is wonderful. Thank you. Sam, what are your thoughts on that question? Yeah, I, I think the opportunity with the ICS is quite vast because some ICSs, for example, MSA, it's got one set of acute services so it's very limited but a lot of ICSs have got more than one acute so you'll get that cross-fertilization of ideas as well and I think there's more opportunities for us to network more widely to be honest and share like I say share those ideas and with the entrepreneurships that are going on the fellowships and the innovation fellowships that are happening they're becoming wider and wider and so they are advertising. I think we need to get them out more to like people, staff nurses on the shop floor, the junior doctors. So they have got somewhere to go to. And I think as an ICS, we can probably leverage some more cross-working cross with businesses, technology businesses, and do shadowing experiences, things like that. So we sort of take the business side into healthcare and vice versa. And learn from each other. I, th I think rather than just being a one person, and if you've done it, Louise, that's fantastic. I've, I've, well done to you. But I think being one person, a lone person, it's harder to leverage that opportunity. And that's something we can do as an ICS, as a group of people, um, which make it easier. Yeah, definitely. And all of these things, whatever we achieve, it's all about teamwork, isn't it? And whether that team is within the hospital or across the ICS, or with completely new organisations. And I love the idea about the connectivity with businesses and more commercial enterprise. And I've been thinking that a lot about this in relation to um, communities and how we join together the place-based activity currently around community engagement. And how can we genuinely enhance population health? How can we genuinely uh, reduce the inequalities that we've got where people sometimes haven't got access but also where have we got the real stars the uh, the people of the future that are coming through and that digital talent that that might ex exist actually as school uh, at schools and in colleges and really fabulous opportunities and we've been working on some um, uh, activity with our uh, public health teams around um, anchor organisations and I'm sure you will have all done the same but I think that gives us such an opportunity too to harness expertise in a different way and start to build things like digital academies where you've got that mix of people with all different talents, all different age groups, all different um, needs and requirements and uh, and how we bring that together I, I think actually ultimately it's very much about building relationships isn't it and uh, with relationships you build a strength and a commitment to a particular community and so uh, then it's less about the digital and more about what can we do to improve things which uh, feels like the right way to to go uh, so I hope that the ICSs will enable us to do much of that but I suppose much of this is down to us also as to how we uh, link and, and connect uh, through those through those routes and so it would be great to be able to do that and and also involve the universities that are in our patch that, that enable us to 
uh, not just uh, do this, but to evaluate it as we go, what, what's really making the difference and how can we improve, which would be fantastic. I think, yeah, if I can come back on that, well, Sam, what you said and build from there about businesses, uh, it's quite amazing, isn't it, that how innovation and talent get promoted in the business world and the speed of it. Um, I can quote example, I was talking to one of the insurance person who works in IT on insurance, and he had a two fantastic idea within three months, the idea was in market. And, and he was, you know, supported on that. So actually there's a learning there, not only on harnessing those talent, but actually speed up uh, this kind of activity, how to do that, you know. I think I probably make a note of that as a fantastic idea, actually, how can, as ICS, what Luis mentioned, incorporate those kind of provider, which normally has no formal mechanism of collaboration, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. There's also third parties out there. The voluntary sector is a fantastic resource that can help with the digital literacy and the inequalities that we've got. Um, I agree with you, Louise, the anchor programme is fantastic. We've been running that as well. And we're looking at using the Barclays Digital Legals programme with the yeah, anchor programme yeah. to help our um, people out in the community. So. There's all ways that we can do it. It's, it's just digging deep and finding those opportunities, isn't it? And then taking them with both hands, really. Yeah, that sounds um, really fantastic. It shows actually how entrepreneurial we are in trying to also find uh, very new solutions and connections, isn't it? And that that's part of this uh, space as well, I suppose. And enabling that community engagement and also thinking about new solutions around language and access uh, will really help us. Uh, so the digital digital talent space it is quite huge, but we've got such uh, great ideas. And actually just the three of us today coming together and thinking about some of the things that we're each doing, just connecting the dots on some of that is so exciting. And, and maybe more of that shared opportunity would be fabulous um, because actually as you say Devesh sometimes these things they start as a small um, acorn a small opportunity and they grow but sometimes it takes so long for it to get into the actual every day and it would be great for us to find opportunity to shorten that time frame and uh, and help people um, so the digital talent sp space is not just about the use of technology it's a whole range of other things as well isn't it so great uh, great ideas thank you thank you louise um Devesh, if we move on to your question uh, so you asked where is the balance of digital readiness and innovation in nhs in epr Thank you. So I think th this is the topic which comes quite a lot nowadays with, with the latest investment spree uh, on, on from NHS, which is quite needed. So I'm doing some work with NHS Digital uh, Leadership Academy cohort four, and, and, and some of the dialogue what we're discussing here uh, has been discussed to the great length. However, being a frontline person, I think uh, there's always a two way and two side of argument. And, and and facing the uh, challenges on daily basis about not having the structured data in the first place, I have my own view. But what I thought is quite important to discuss uh, two things. So first is obviously almost like uh, buying off shelf uh, EPR provision uh, for, for any organization, uh, which is come up with leveling up approach, uh, roughly a third or fourth ex uh, health secretary, I think now. Uh, so I, uh, then I think this has come out of the fruit of frustration that actually 40 trusts across the country don't have any way of recording any electronic record. 
Uh, but on top of that, then comes the uh, the the question whether we need uh, that kind of is been described as monolithic EPR or do we need a best of breed? So either you can have wall to wall solution purchased directly or you can have almost like developed uh, best of the breed what clean, uh, clinician require. And my view particularly is uh, being clinician on the front end, uh, whatever we try to do, whether it's a patient care, patient health record, clinician access, clinician led innovation, you need to have data first or wall to wall data first, then you can build upon uh, anything else. Uh, so this argument about whether there is a specific requirement for, uh, you know, uh, targeted EPR and 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 that requirement fulfill, hence you purchase it or you carry on developing as innovation or as you uh, carry on uh, going in life for the clinician. So I thought it's very good to discuss with Luis and Sam their views uh, here. Uh, what do you think? And believe me, I think you can have argument on both sides uh, whether, you know, I think uh, that data move, but system doesn't move, or you can have system out of frustration of a clinician like myself who in 10 years not seen any level of interoperability despite a lot of talk. So I think, Luis, I'm not sure what your view on that. Yeah, I think actually it's a really brilliant topic and you made me think of so many things as you were uh, talking there, not, not least the fact that um, sometimes, you know, change comes out of innovation or innovation comes out of change and you can't always uh, necessarily uh, see where one begins and one ends. But I was thinking about the fact that um, actually the question originally was asking around digital readiness and are we actually ready and what's the balance between digital readiness and innovation? And um, I asked the question of myself, well, what ready for what exactly? So where are we at? And as you say, there's such a difference across the patch in different areas. And so it's not just one size fits all. I think it's fantastic that we've got the Philips Ives review for that particularly uh, from a nursing um, midwifery perspective will really uh, help us, but it'll help generally anyway around uh, how we uh, really think about, as you said earlier, around the, the people, the processes, the, the technology, etc. Um, and also thinking about um, you could just wait and let innovation grow, but if we don't invest in innovation, some of those things just wither on the vine and uh, the great ideas go to ground and uh, we miss an opportunity to really uh, change things that could be quite dramatic. And so the golden nuggets that exist because the staff nurse has really noticed on the ward a particular thing or the uh, junior doctor who with fresh eyes has noticed. So what are the things that we do purposefully to enable innovation to thrive within organisations? And it made me think also about where um, innovation is absolutely key to business and commercial uh, development and, and also universities. So a role that I had quite a few years ago now was um, at one of the universities where I was responsible for knowledge transfer and linking the research with uh, commercial opportunities and clinical application. And it was such an exciting role because you could invest in the opportunity for people to innovate, to really look at a, a new evidence base, not to assume everything was going to be the same as it always had been, and then find commercial partners who are prepared to invest in that. And sometimes this meant an investment of considerable amounts for people who it would revolutionise their careers as well as the people they were caring for. 
And some of those things that are out there are, are now commercially available and have been for years and we might take for granted in optometry and a whole range of um, things. So I think that there is something about how we invest, not just financially, but also in terms of the philosophy that we have about valuing new ways of working, creating an evidence base, testing it out, having that level of curiosity and linking this to quality improvement in the moment. So we're doing something fairly rapid to enhance um, the quality of outstanding care and practice, but also encouraging people and having things like innovation hubs and a whole range of things that help us to think through um, what would be great and to capture those wonderful ideas that might come forward. Uh, so just a few things there that 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 really great question made me uh, think about and also reminisce a bit about a great role that uh, uh, was it was when I was in the university and it would be great to bring more of that into the space of the everyday uh, work so really great what what do you think Sam? Yeah I mean we have a whole innovation team for our organisation so it has become part of the norm to be honest but we're we're trying to keep the balance between core services and what we call fringe services. So we don't necessarily want so much innovation on the core services because we are one of those organisations looking at an EPR because we don't have one EPR at the moment. Um, so it's trying to make sure that that is a standard core in the middle for all users. But then there'll be services like you say, optometry, um, ENT that have got innovations and we use the QI methodology as well quite a lot so they all the innovations we run innovation fellowships so we always have somebody from digital that sits on those interviews so we can say well actually we're doing that in the core thing however we can use that and tweak it so we don't lose the ideas um, and we also guide people towards the funding opportunities for these innovations as well so they're not the fellowships aren't just for people within the organisation, they're advertised more widely now. So we have got people externally that do it. And it's really interesting to see the creativity that's coming out. Things like T-shirts that can take your respiration rates was one of them. And I was like, wow, where, where did they come from? <laughs> so I think we need to enhance that and jump on it because we're going to lose it all to um, businesses and commercial side if we're not careful and the way the NHS is going it feels it is becoming more and more privatised I know we're, we're not trying to do that but it feels that way sometimes so maybe we should use some of these innovations to fund some of this extra care that we need to provide as well and when it comes to patient safety it, it just makes it so much easier because they are looking at the patients at the centre of it so it's becoming things like wearables and less invasive devices that we all take for granted nowadays um, and I, I, I'm just overawed with all the creativity that comes out of some of these interviews that I've done. And it, it's fantastic. And some of them are so simple ideas as well. So it's not just the big high tech, high cost ideas. It's some of the simple ideas. And it could just be a change of process rather than actually developing an item or a product. Just a simple change in process will make life a lot easier for some people. And it's those ones that make me think, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, genius. Um, yeah, and it's like, <laughs> because you're so embedded into it, sometimes you don't see it. And it is the people with fresh eyes, the students that have just come out onto the walls and saying, why are you doing it like that? Yeah. Just change this. And sometimes they just get brushed off, but we need to encourage them because they're the ones that are going to be looking after us in the future. Yeah. 
I think it's such a such an important point um, both of you mentioned. So the one thing about innovation, it it happens sporadic, isn't it? Uh, you cannot structure the innovation, uh, and I think it's quite independent of any structured uh, uh, things what you place. In fact, actually, people who do not follow the structure, they are the innovator only, you know. Uh, and we see that, isn't it, uh, in our day life? Uh, so yeah, I think the the whole idea of the question was is I think we have place for both. And we have balance uh, somewhere because, as you said, Sam, quite rightly, if your business as usual cannot carry on because your innovation team take precedence and do everything happen in organization, which is innovation, I think you'll end up in a lot of troubles, I guess. At the same time, if you do only business as usual, but don't uh, have the open door for innovation, you are in a different trouble that who's going to look after us in the future. And, and it still is a 1960 system, isn't it? <laughs> So I think I think is I found this topic quite fascinating, and I thought I will uh, you know discuss this here because this is a perfect platform. We can get two or three different views here. You know that uh, the balance is tricky. Yeah, definitely. I, I think also it's a great opportunity to think about where there's a voice through life sciences programs and developments and and a real investment into innovation, um, not only uh, for the uh, planned programs in undergrad in the undergraduate world, um, but also for our staff uh, generically. And I love the idea of more competitions, more fun things, because uh, people really like to celebrate their creativity, uh, don't they? And it's really nice to think about the things that might be a small but make a massive difference to to many people. And I guess that there's a whole range of those. The other thing that I think is really helpful in this space is to really give a voice, not to just the big innovation that might be, you know, the cure for cancer and uh, those things that are uh, enormous, but the things that make a difference to everybody's um, daily care and some of the aspects in, in practice that are things that, that would really uh, help to to resolve things that can be tricky and to build a workforce really that's still got those curious eyes and uh, that those ideas around uh, practice and, and for that to be uh, really important as part of the uh, change process. So uh, I think an opportunity for us to incubate new ideas and encourage uh, people uh, for us to invest in that in, in time and expertise, but also uh, to, to link those commercial opportunities that we've uh, talked about. And also to see some of the old practices through new eyes too. So I think about some of the things that are resistant to change or haven't, we've plateaued, you know, we've plateaued on particular items that we've wanted to change for a long period of time. So what would help us? Well, um, certainly, the data and the information and working with data scientists to help us view it through new eyes, but also to learn skills along the way and then find a totally different way of doing things uh, which could actually uh, revolutionise uh, care. So always being alert to, to all of that. And we've got a really fabulous uh, We Connect uh, team and they're working now with the life sciences team um, and the uh, digital environment uh, team to start to look at, well, how do we bring all this expertise together? If we look at this longitudinally, what things can we purposely see that could be done to benefit many others, but to make it fun along the way? So if it's positive and engaging and 
I love the uh, T-shirt example, Sam. That was yeah. fantastic. <laughs> if there's more of that about, um, it will really encourage people and 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 also, uh, you know, patients, users, kids in the that are in hospital um, uh, or in and out of hospital, their ideas as to what can improve things. And we had, I'm always impressed with colleagues in. The, those areas where they create such uh, great opportunities for people to engage. And recently they had at uh, our hospital something uh, called Sunny. Uh, so it's something new that can uh, be engaging and create a particular atmosphere. And I thought not only do they need it, but uh, so do we all, uh, because it, that Sunny uh, positive approach really stimulates new innovation and ideas, doesn't it? It brings joy in work. <laughs> Yeah, I think more of a, yeah, a headspace as well, isn't it? I think to create, give that headspace to that particular nurse who is doing 30 hour work and then think about what she can do differently and you know, how can she innovate. And I think you're quite right, actually, giving that kind of, uh, you know, first uh, the, the hosting platform uh, that from here you can flourish. And if you want to innovate, you will be supported. I think it's using other other parts of the workforce as well not just clinical workforce yeah. so even the admin the hr the finance people they they can be quite creative when they're put out of their comfort zone like you say it's a new set of eyes and we've had a hr person that's been developing an app for recruitment which i'm waiting to see if it works at the moment it's in design so it's and I think it's selling those ideas and celebrating the ideas. It doesn't matter if they've come to fruition totally, but just at the start of the the little acorn, like you said earlier, Louise, and celebrating that with people because there's not a lot of nurses out there that will go towards innovation. They might have a little chat themselves on the wall and say, well, if you do it this way, it'll be better, but yeah. they don't see it as an innovation. So again, it's that language. I think we scare people off by using some of the terminology. But if we could show that, showcase some of the ideas that came through, it will make them think, ah, yeah, I did think of that. Or this is fairly similar, but we can do it differently. And do a mini showcase in each area and just bring people forward just to tweak their ideas and get them to come out. I think that would be a really useful idea. Like I say, yeah. the innovation hubs. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Actually, you made me think there about also teams not being satisfied with just what they've got, but seeing that you can extend it so you can use what's already there, but um, make it even better. So some of the things that they're uh, wanting to do at the moment enable them not just to have the automated uh, processes for vital signs, but to add into that more about patient satisfaction or uh, things that might help to improve uh, our knowledge and understanding of the patient's uh, comfort levels and a whole range of different things that mean that people are really thinking through, how do we use this technology that we've already got and make it even better? Um, but also, uh, how do we make it so that it's really answering many of the questions that we need uh, for our patients and uh, and communities? So uh, I think actually uh, people have got such amazing ideas locally and it, it, you've made me really think about how we can bring more of that to, to the fore and uh, maybe create some uh, more structured approaches to sharing that across across our organisations and uh, there are lots of innovation opportunities. Uh, when we did the um, 
digital fellowship, uh, we had some great conversations there uh, because many of the things were projects people were wanting to design, develop new things, uh, put things in. And I think there's a balance here also about how do you create something that builds on a reliable system, but at the same time creates that innovation. And that goes back in a way to Devesh's original question because um, we need to be able to not just have a patchwork quilt of loads of different things, but at the same time uh, have that um, opportunity for people to create and to, to do uh, new things. And so it is all the time that balance. So you're absolutely right, Devesh, getting that right in the first place will be absolutely key to the future of, of all of this. Thank you, fascinating actually. Quite good discussion. Thank you very much. Um, so that takes us to quote two, which uh, obviously there are some more questions that we could discuss, but I don't think we're going to have enough time to get three questions in the space of 15 minutes. Um, but what I'll do, I mean, I would love to have you all back on to discuss, to, to sorry, to discuss the other questions that have been proposed. Um, but yeah, thank you all for taking the time to come on. I hope you've all really enjoyed it. And I think it was a really good discussion. It was great. You really enjoyed it. Loads of things. Um, so thank you. Really. Yeah. Good. I already yes. start thinking what can I talk to Liz and Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Never sure. Great, that's what I thought. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Ellie, so much. Really appreciate yeah. it. Lovely to meet you and see you soon. Oh, I'll see you this week, Devish. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Nice to meet that, you. Thanks, guys. Have thanks. a lovely right. evening. Thanks Bye. again. Bye. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.